0: this right now our scripture reading today is revelation 7 beginning in verse 11 all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures they fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshiped god saying amen praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our god forever and ever amen Then one of the elders asked me, These in the white robes, who are they, and where do they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. He said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence, Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes.
1: Good morning. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would bless the words that were just read and the other scriptures that we will look at today. Father, we want to truly meet with you to hear your voice speaking to us through the word and through your Holy Spirit. Keep my words from error and may we submit to your leading. May we not resist, May we understand and welcome that anything you have for us is best. We ask that you would bless this time and that you would still be glorified as we submit to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. A woman was writing about her husband. He was making supper one evening and decided he'd do their laundry at the same time. He exclaimed as he was doing this, whoever said men can't multitask and confidently went about his business. When he'd finished preparing supper, he went to check on the laundry only to find that the washing machine had completed its full cycle without any clothes in it. (laughs) Well, that's not too good for the clothes. Still going to be just as dirty and stinky as they were and not too flattering for us as men either. We're going to look at cleaning things today. The Bible talks about Jesus as being the one thing that can cleanse us from our sins. There may be many rivals for detergents, for laundry, but we're told there's many rivals, but none that actually work except for Jesus for the dirtiness of our souls. And we're looking to Revelation, but we're going to look to a few other passages as well. We're really looking only at that verse in the middle. I'd love to preach on this whole passage. Let's just talk about that briefly. And we see here, of course, that this is a common metaphor. The verse on the screen here comes from Isaiah 64, very familiar words for many of us. All of us have become like one who is unclean. That's interesting. Let's just stop there. All of us have become like one who is unclean. This tells us it's a metaphor. You know, you could be clean as a whistle today. Came right out of the shower, your best clothes on. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about the inside. He's talking about our souls and the way we've lived. And so we've become like someone who's unclean. And as such, we go on And all of our righteous acts, let's just stop there. What if we were going to take all the good things we've done and we're gonna present them before the Lord and say, aren't you impressed with us? Well, some of us know the verses. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. Like the wind, our sins sweep us away. And so we see the metaphor and Issachar proclaims the universal fact of our need, of our condition, that we cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. We see also in Zechariah chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. I think I'll mention this later on in the broader passage. And we have Joshua, the high priest, at this time. Interesting because this is the same name as Jesus. Uh, Yeshua is the Hebrew. Yesus is the Greek, same word. It means savior or he saves. It's a play on the word for saving. And so at that time, they had one that had the same name as Jesus, only with a problem. We're told that Jesus lived a perfect life. Joshua did not live a perfect life, and he represented an imperfect people, the Israelites. And so we see now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel in this vision. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I've taken away your sin and I will put fine garments on you. Now, this is a similar metaphor. Instead of cleaning the garments, they were just going to take off the old ones and burn them and replace them with better. But it's the same type of thing, isn't it? And, of course, the high priest was standing in for the people of Israel. And so he was representative of other people And it showed that we need a new set of clothes. We also see in Zechariah chapter 13 a very similar passage to Revelation. On that day, a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. You see the need? There will be a fountain, but not a fountain that can wash your body, not a fountain that can wash your clothes, but a fountain that can wash your souls. Jude 1, verse 23. There's only one chapter if you go there, so Jude 23. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corruptive flesh. This is a similar metaphor. It's like our clothes are corrupted by me. I tend to get my clothes dirty and say, Ooh, my clothes are making me stink. But where did it come from, right? It came from me. And so save people, even though you don't like the condition they're in. You do not like the sinfulness. You love the people. And so we see the metaphor of the dirt, the filth, the clothing often in Scripture. So it's a common metaphor. Now we want to look at the problem. The problem is the dirty clothes. And we see this verse here in the middle of the passage that was read. Right after John is asked, who are these people? And poor John, in the middle of this incredible vision, he's asked, who are these people? And he says, sir, you know. In other words, I have no clue. Why don't you tell me and then we'll both know is sort of what he's saying. And so I have this, you know, sympathy for John on this because he said, no, I don't. You've got to tell me. And luckily it is explained to him. The people in the white clothes, it's often translate robes, but it really means any outer garments. Okay. So it could be whatever you're wearing on the outside. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Now, I know that doesn't make sort of logical sense, does it? You take your clothes and you put them in blood, and they're going to get red, right? And stained. But again, it's a metaphor, and we can make a metaphor do different things. Now, let's just pause a little bit. In Revelation at this point, this is the first part that gets proleptic. That means talking about the future. We've talked to the seven churches. We've said some other things. Now we're jumping into the future. And he's seen beyond things that will happen. We're either in the midst of or at the end of the great tribulation. That terrible time that we're told that if it were in the Old Testament, if it were not cut short, no one would survive. That time when anyone who believes in the Lord will be persecuted and will be under penalty of death. And these people either have made it through or they died as martyrs. And the scholars debate which one this is. Are these the martyrs that are showing up? But it's interesting. How do you survive during this dark, dark time where sin is law and holiness is illegal? Where faith is illegal? How do they get through clean? And it's very clear how do these people get through with white clothes on because they get through clinging to Jesus. And even if they're put to death for their faith, they cling to Jesus. It's not their great holiness that gets them through, is it? Because they have had sins themselves. But they get through because they cling to Jesus. And so they come through and their robes are white. And they're here worshiping in a special place because they endured such great persecution, and yet they did not despair in the face of persecution. That really emboldens me. I think about the little bit of persecution we sometimes complain about now in America today for being a Christian. And I understand that. You know, I became a pastor full-time first in 1985, And uh, then it was like Jesus said, the people would greet you in the marketplaces, they'd show you respect. That's not the way it is anymore. I understand the cultural changes, but we're nowhere near what it's going to be like for these people. And if you go to school and you're picked on for believing in Jesus or going to church, that's nothing near making your faith illegal and a capital punishment. To be tortured and put to death. And this emboldens me to see these people that got through this just clinging to Jesus and saying, if the whole world is against me, I've got Jesus. And because of that, they get through unstained because of the work of Jesus for them on the other side. And so we see that white clothes are appropriate and only white prose in this metaphor for the presence of God. And they're at the very throne of God in a special place of worship. And the white clothes shows that even though they were sinners, they have been saved by grace through faith. And they have been washed clean and God looks at them as pure. Is that not interesting? Because even though we're only talking about a small subset of believers in a historical setting, this is really true in one sense to all of us. We won't be in that special place of honor as saints coming through the tribulation, but we will be people that are looked on by God as pure. And anyone who makes it is going to get it because they've been washed in the blood of Jesus. And so it is Jesus and his work that is so key. That's why we commemorate communion why it's so important, it's a very central thing of why Jesus had to come into the world and why he had to suffer and die and rise again. And so the white stands for unsoiled and unstained, nothing dirty on it. I told you the story before, back when I used to preach on Sunday mornings and evenings, I didn't want to change my clothes, you know, all the time there. And so Sandra loved to make spaghetti on Sundays, Back then, I wore a suit and tie every Sunday, I know. It's 30-some years ago. It was what you had to do if you wanted to get a job. I didn't like it either, but some of you say I look pretty good in that. That's great, but, you know, I I like to be comfortable, too. With this little autism, comfort trumps how I look. But anyway, we'd have the spaghetti, and I'd put on my rain jacket every time because I'd always spill. (laughs) I'd, I'd take off the sport coat, but, you know, I often had a white shirt and then a tie on, and, you know, the tie would get it or the white shirt would get it. And it's really hard to get that out of there. And you would know it happened every time. I would spill right in the little V, right on the collar of there, because I guess I'm a sloppy spaghetti eater. And so this is what I had to do. I had to put the raincoat on backwards and I had a hood. And there's this hood right up here. That's the only way I could make it. And I think about that. I can't eat spaghetti without staining myself. But I also cannot live without staining my soul. There's none righteous, no, not one. And even though we may try to keep it off the clothes, it's still on the jacket. And it still shows up like spaghetti on a white shirt. And we still need Jesus. The problem is the dirty clothes. The need is for cleansing, for washing. I want to go a little further in Revelation to chapter 22, verse 12. It is on the slide, or you can turn there. Look, I am coming soon. This is Jesus speaking. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Blessed are those who wash their robes. We're told that the tree of life will be there again. It'll bloom every month. That means there'll never be a gap and that is a symbolism for eternal life and the entering the gates is of course entering into god's realm the place of bliss and glory and the only way you enter in is getting washed because remember we said only the white clothes in this metaphor are suitable for the presence of God. And so the stains have to be taken away, the sins have to be confessed, and they have to be washed, and only Jesus offers the laundromat. And so we see the need for washing. And our point is very simple. I, you, can become clean today if you have not done so already. When I pastored a farm church years ago, I went in to visit a family and the farmer's wife had a poster in her entryway and I'll still remember I can see it in my mind right now. There was a, a lady about 30 years old and she had a beautiful white formal dress on and she was holding two high heels in her hand and she was looking forlornly out at the muddy ground that you have to understand on the farms, all the when it rains, it gets muddy, and then the myriad of dirty tractors and pickup trucks that separated her from her car. And there she's just standing there, just like this. This was, by the way, hung in their mud room, which every farmer has. The first room you come into is the mud room. <laughs> So, you can wash up and get there. And I think of this type of thing. I mean, you know, she wants to go there, but does she have to go in her jeans and then dress at the place she arrives at? And I think of how the world is so easy to stain us. You know, how it's so much mud, and there's so many things you can brush up against. And there's so many temptations, and everyone else is doing it a different way, and someone who wants to get through just cannot do it. And God understands this. God understands none of us gets through this life clean. And that's why the washing is necessary for everyone. And we can play the game, well, I got through cleaner than you did. How many here have gone on one of those mud runs? Anyone here? Oh, I see a couple. Yeah, yeah. How clean were you at the end? Not very, right? That's the whole point. But if you have to get through, and if they gave prizes on how clean you were, man, it would just be relative. But everybody would be muddy. Everybody would be dirty. And so it doesn't make any sense for me to say, well, you know, I'm not as muddy as you are. Or maybe I can just say, my hand isn't muddy. Look, my whole left hand. And yours is dirty. And we can start picking on individual sins. Well, I've never failed in that area. You know, sexually, I've kept myself pure all the time. Never done anything wrong in that. Yeah, you're the biggest gossip in church. Right? You're also bragging a little bit. And so we all get dirty, and we need this cleansing. Let's go back to the Zechariah passage, and I want to read to you a little further the whole passage. Zechariah 3, we had only two of these five verses read. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. Now, isn't this the picture? The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? That's the setup for our verses. Is this not wood that was designed to be burned that I decided to salvage? Somebody thought this was firewood. I said, no, we're not burning that. And it continues. Now, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. Again, he said to him, see, I've taken away your iniquity from you and will clothe you with festal robes. Then I said, let them put a clean turban or hat on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. So we see that this cleansing that we're talking about is not just for the tribulation saints that we see in our passage in Revelation. Some people do not think that they're suitable to be Christians, to be forgiven. Some of them will tell me, you don't know where I've been. I had a young man who grew up in the church I pastored years ago who sought me out then at the next church church. And he told me that he wanted to come back, but there's no way God would forgive him for all the things he had done. Well, he had done some pretty bad things. He was visiting me, first stop out of prison. And it was some pretty sad things. But we went to the verses of Scripture. And then we saw the example of people like Paul who considered himself a murderer and persecutor of the faith. And we saw that God... Forgives anyone. Growing up, one of my good friends, she was the daughter of a police officer, and she was a bit of a rebel. And she got engaged to a man she never got married to, and she was very guilty about how that relationship went, if you understand the point. And then she was caught shoplifting, and she was caught using and selling drugs. And didn't look so good for her father, the police officer. And she felt very guilty. And so she went to take her life. I think eight times I visited her in the hospital after attempts. Until she finally figured out, till it finally got through her head, that God still loved her. And that there was a fountain and there were new clothes. And you could be like these people who are worshiping because we don't get there by impressing God. We get there by admitting we need Jesus. And Jesus said, blessed are those who wash their robes because we all need the washing that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates to the city. And yes, it turned out well for my friend. She came back fully when she realized that none of her wandering had wandered her out of God's love or had kept her from God's forgiveness. The solution we see in Revelation 7 verse 14, our key verse, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. It really means almost escaped. Sounds great, except for the fact that we assume that most of them escape by having their heads cut off or being tortured to death. It's an interesting way of looking at it. But for the Christian, it is blessing because as soon as the torture ends, you're in the presence of God. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. We see this as the ultimate sacrifice. It explains the Old Testament sacrificial ritual, why they would kill so many animals. This was foreshadowing and is looking forward. These things teach us at least two things. I could give you a list. I think I have nine things in a sermon I preach on this. But let's just look at two of them now. Number one, our sinfulness des- demands a great price. It's not petty. And that's what the sacrifice of the animals, when you bring an innocent one. And number two is that there is a substitution possible. And the fact that the sacrifice was innocent was showing that someone else would pay for what you deserved. And it never quite fully made sense. It was made to prepare people for Jesus so that when the Son of God, who was innocent, would stand in our place and say, I will take the guilt and shame, then we go, oh, I understand. God would put upon his own Son what we deserved. And so it's the ultimate sacrifice And as such, blood being a symbol of life when it's poured out is a symbol of death. But because Jesus was raised from the dead, his blood is a symbol of life remaining that is transferred to us that can cleanse our souls and can wash us from our uncleanness. Hebrews 9, verses 11 and following. When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this creation. So we're not talking about anything built on earth. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works, dead works, to serve a living God. I like to keep reading that, but we don't have all day. Then jump to chapter 9, verse 22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so it explains the Old Testament, because our sins had separated us from God. It's hard for me to understand how holy God is and how any little sin in my life is so repulsive to him. That comes from comparing myself with you selectively (laughs) and you comparing yourself with me selectively so that I look bad or so you you look bad. But when we compare ourselves with Jesus, we all look bad. And yet he did establish a new relationship with God, a new covenant. This is unique. There is no other one. Sincerity is not logical. You can sincerely believe things that are false and they will not make them true, will they? Jesus was not being egotistical when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He was trying to give us a warning sign to saying, this is the only way, don't believe in the fakes. I had a friend in my last church that had a hard time affording her medicine, and so she had someone bring it up from Mexico. (laughs) Oh, I understand the finances and things like that. Well, it made her deathly sick and sent her in the hospital. Very counterproductive when you're trying to save money. So it turns out it had nothing to do with the med. It was labeled as. It was a bunch of other junk put together, and it almost killed her. You see, if it's important to get the right medicine for our bodies, it's important to go to the one person. And Jesus is not, again, being egotistical. He said, this is the reason I came into the world. And there'll be many misleading things. There'll be many ways that make you maintain your dignity that say you can still get to heaven. My friends, you cannot retain your dignity and get to heaven. We are all going to come As sinners beloved by God. As failures that God still sees some value in. We're going to be the diamond ring that dumped into the sewer. That someone reached down to pull out and cleansed. A diamond ring by God's creation. Filthy by my actions. Still loved by God. The solution is saying, Jesus, I believe in you. Here's our application suggestions. The first points are just a way to come to Christ for the first time. Many of us have already done this. Number one, confess that you're dirty and need to be cleansed. We have to admit that we have a need. I know that deep in my soul. I make no way I could try to explain there's anything otherwise. Second, believe that Jesus provides the only cleaning solution, but he does provide it. This is believing that we are loved despite that and finally accepting it. And all we have to do is say, I admit, I believe, I accept. I confess, believe, accept. And then, those of us who've done this, we need to celebrate that we're worthy despite our past, not worthy because of how we've lived. Do you understand that? Worthy by the creation and love of God. That's deeper still. We're worthy by God's choosing and love. And finally, one of the things we can do, if this is so true, we need to be praying about and we need to be talking about it. I know some of us are more gifted than others to talk about their faith. Some people think that sharing their faith is the best thing that will happen in their day. And other people think, oh my goodness, I'm so scared. I understand that. But we must build the relationships and talk to the people. And with our gifts, if it's hospitality, bring somebody over slowly. Surely they'll ask you. You'll have a chance to share something. But we need to be able to tell. And somebody in this room, some people are going to be ready to tell somebody this week about Jesus. And to boast a little about how he loves you, and how he saved you. To God be the glory, great things he has done. Let's stand as we close in this song together, giving Jesus thanks for all he's done for us.